Welcome to ADHD is over, a new podcast on a seemingly old label that we're going to be peeling off. Join my wife, Tatiana, and I as we journey with our family, the Wyden family, through the land of confusing information. We're going to visit both sides and let you decide because the power is with you. Welcome to ADHD is over. Hello, hello, my friends. Hopefully, hello, hello, new listeners. Welcome or welcome back. If you've been here before, we are just very humbled and very grateful that you are returning. If you're returning, and we're super humbled and grateful uh, if you are new and checking us out. We really appreciate that. I just want to say hello to some awesome cities who've been listening in. Columbus, Hazlitt, Tucson, Dublin, Perth, Warwick, Viroqua, I hope I said that right, Philadelphia, Montreal, Tel Aviv, Miami, Novi Sad, New York, Jeddah, Austin, San Mateo, Mexico City, Wiley, Northbridge, Downington, Ojai, Bern, Switzerland, Edinburgh, Hizar, Hinckley, Chertsey, Cape Town, American Fork, Ashburn, King, Richmond Hill, Charlotte, Cambridge, Canyon Country, Dollar des Ormeaux, Canada, Sydney, Mansfield, Macon, Princeville, Rhinebeck, Oslo, Los Angeles, Margate, Council Bluffs, East Hampton, Parksville, Chicago, Chase Peak, Little Hampton, and Zurich, Switzerland. Just in the last seven days, what an awesome list of cities and people and I would say souls willing to listen in to see if perhaps we can help to shift your perspective around this so-called disorder, ADHD, Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, as they call it, they, yes, they, the establishment. Now, today's episode, I know, I know, I know, is going to get a lot of heat. And it's not going to get a lot of heat because I'm being a jerk or I'm purposely trying to upset people. Let me, let me have that be clear. This episode is really an exploration of what it means to use ADHD as an excuse. Not as in like, you're bad if you do that, or you're not good, or you're good if you don't, you know. That's not what it's about. I simply had a thought the other day, and I'm gonna share with you how that started, it was a thought around what it could look like, an example of when someone like me could use an excuse for a behavior. Let me give you the example first, then you know what I mean, and then we'll move on into the dissection of this. That's really what this episode is about, dissecting these, um, these moments, these situations when one could use ADHD as an excuse. So it had been a long day, Sunday yesterday, and I had been on three Zoom meetings with the group that I belong to, different groups, but three Zoom meetings in one day. And after sitting for about two and a half hours, because one meeting was an hour, the other was an hour and a half, in my office chair, although fairly comfortable chair, doing these Zoom meetings, by the time the third meeting came around, it was almost 6 p.m., and I thought, you know what? I have to move. 
I'm not going to take this third call yet again, sitting in my office chair in front of my screen. So, you know, I dialed in from the phone and I went for a hike. And as I was hiking, I was, there was a moment when I was going to share with the group about what my week has been like. And I almost said the following. I almost said, sorry guys, I'm actually hiking. So uh, pardon me for the noise or for the breathing because I was going uphill. But, you know, I it's been a long day in front of my computer and because of my ADHD, it was probably a good idea to keep moving, right? I had to keep moving, something like that. And I thought to myself, that would have been a perfectly welcome, respected and understood statement by everyone involved. Because when, when if I had said, because of my ADHD or I'm ADHD and so I got to keep moving, people would have gotten a certain image in their heads that I'm fidgety, that I'm sitting there in my office chair with my, my feet fidgeting, right? Or me with a fidgety toy in my hand and just I just can't stand being in front of a screen. I got to go move, right? That could have been an, an image. And they would have been like, oh, yeah, dude, totally, totally. I get it. And in that moment, I realized something. I realized that it is no small thing when people with ADHD, and again, you know my belief, no one has ADHD, but let's call it people who've been labeled as having this so-called disorder, ADHD. When those kind of people make an excuse and say, oh, you know, it's my ADHD, I, you know, they show up somewhere and they forgot their keys or they didn't do the homework or they can't sit still, whatever, and they say, oh, it's my ADHD. That might seem like a totally justifiable, fair, understandable excuse. And when I say excuse, it really is an excuse, right? Because if you show up somewhere and let's say you're late or you said you're going to bring something and you forgot it and you say, oh, it's my ADHD, you're, it doesn't matter. Even if you think you have ADHD and your doctor is convinced that you have this thing called ADHD and the other person that's listening to you also thinks that it's real and you have it, it's still an excuse because you're saying instead of the result I promised, I'm now here without that result, right? So when I say an excuse, it's not a, a judgmental blaming someone for, oh, you're just making an excuse. It is an excuse, right? The same as if you show up late uh, somewhere, uh, if you said you're going to be there at 6 and you show up at 6.15 and you say, oh, yeah, traffic, that's an excuse. The fact is you left late or you let it be too close to, um, you know, the time that you had to leave, or uh, even if there was an accident or something, it's still our responsibility because we said we would be there on time and we're not. We can call ahead and say, I'm sorry, I'm running late. And da, da, da. Anyway, excuses are not bad. So I just want you to put that aside for a second. I know it can kind of ring like that. Same when somebody says, you're responsible. Doesn't mean it's your fault or you're to blame. It just means it was your responsibility, right? Won't get into that right now. But so the excuse. So when we show up and say, oh, oh, my ADHD, yeah, yeah, I, you know, it is making an excuse. And here's why that is not, I think, a very productive and empowering um, continuous, what I call enrollment uh, of people. We don't, we don't want to continue these kind of uh, agreements in society, 
so that anyone, any child diagnosed with ADHD suddenly gets seen in the same light because there's a collective social agreement that's invisible in the air, almost like a, like air itself. You can't see it, but you know it's there because you're still breathing and you're not dying. So there's a collective social agreement floating around. And you can test this. You know, I've said this before. If you look at a word, there's a word called disorder. You can interview a thousand people and ask them if they would be okay dating a disordered person and see their reactions. And I can already guarantee you that the majority of the people would have an issue with that because the word disorder has an agreement. Like I said, it's the social agreement. Like, oh, disordered people, there's something wrong with them. They're cuckoo. They're crazy. Whatever. Whatever the agreement. You may sit there and go like, that's not what I think of it. But it's not about our us individually. This is a social, a collective social agreement. And there's many of them. I'm just using this as an example. So when we perpetuate these excuses of, oh, well it's because of my ADHD, then what we're creating, two things, we're, we're still creating ADHD as a thing. We're keeping it alive because words create. Words do create because back then when there was no chair and somebody built the first chair, somebody had to give it a name. I'm not saying it was chair at the time, but words create things. And it's also the opposite. The object doesn't have to be there first. You can have a declaration, like the Declaration of Independence, and then something will get created out of that declaration. So when we perpetually keep ADHD in existence as a thing, and when we also, this is number two, use it as an excuse, then we're not only keeping it in place, we're also making it a thing that inhibits us from functioning well in life. And I know what you're thinking. Well, that's exactly what psychologists worldwide say. ADHD inhibits you from living a very well-functioning life. Again, we're here to say it's not the ADHD that prohibits you from living a well-functioning life. It's the friction that's created by the behavior of a child. The question is, what causes the behavior? And again, it's not ADHD because remember, that was made up. And since there's no gene for it, there's no actual biological test to test for ADHD, hence it does not exist. The behaviors are real. The struggle is real. The friction that's created because of what we are now finding out really is a stressor on the nervous system of a human being, stress and trauma that causes these behaviors over time. And those behaviors are then labeled as symptoms and then as a disorder. I hope you followed that because that's really what ADHD is. And look, I'm a parent. I'm not an expert. I've certainly done my share of research now seven years. I've interviewed some of the world's leading experts. Yet still, my disclaimer is I'm a parent. But what cannot be ignored here is the common sense. And many of you have commented on that, that it rings a bell, that it resonates with you, that now it all makes sense. So I hope that I can continue do that, doing that for you 
to, to activate the common sense, the intuition inside of you that might say, huh, I felt that way before. I thought similarly, but now I get it, right? Because that happens to me when I listen to people that inspire me or when I have mentors and they drop a, a nugget of gold and I go, ooh, yes, I've always felt that way. So I hope we can make that difference for you with our podcast. Tiny little side note. Um, so back to perpetuating the agreement of ADHD and also that it is basically inhibiting us from living a well-functioning life. Why would we want to do that? If we were responsible people, people who own the outcome, who say, I'm going to respond to the best of my power, right? That's called responsibility. I'm, I have the ability to respond powerfully to any situation. I will not blame a situation or a person or the weather or God or anyone other than myself. And when I say blame, I don't mean blame as in like, it's my fault. It's more like I could have reacted powerfully, but I didn't, right? That's to say, I'm in power here. I'm in charge. I'm in charge of the outcome, the response to such event, right? Or person. That's called responsibility. That's the, the real meaning of responsibility. And again, there's a, a, a social agreement. There's a, a agreement floating around, right? A collective social agreement that responsibility is something heavy or it's, it's blame. It's your responsibility, right? It's like, oh, geez, what did I do? There's all these agreements, these social agreements, these collective agreements floating around in the air and we're just not aware of it. You know, you can take other words um, that we use on a daily basis, like I, like I did with excuse, right? Um, these kind of words, we just really have to be dissecting them further and not take them for their surface level value, right? There's more than meets the eye. You've heard me say this before. I wouldn't be here uh, doing this podcast had I just trusted the first look of my eyes and just went with the first few pages in the Google search results and read the first few books of the top experts. I wouldn't be doing this. Our son would be medicated today and would be, we would be dealing with whatever that would have brought, you know, with it. And I can't say what that is because we chose not to medicate him. And again, there's no judgment, but I'm, all I'm saying is if you listen to the loudest bullhorn in the room, and never question why it is the loudest bullhorn in the room and where that comes from, where the, the information comes from and who finances that, that bullhorn to be so loud. If you never question that, you're most likely going to end up medicating your child, labeling your child as disordered, and then stand in coping and hoping. And we are not of that camp. Because, and I, I heard Jim Carrey say something like this today, hoping is this sort of desperation, this neediness to achieve some kind of okay. Whereas thriving is really pulling out all the stops and taking full responsibility for yourself, your marriage, your children, your family, your community, and owning the results of, of, of those uh, uh, entities, when it comes to fulfillment and happiness. 
and really owning it as in like, I'm part of this family. And if we're not thriving, then I am responsible. There's something I can do about it, right? That's where we come from. That's where we come in is from that sort of perspective shift. So again, back to this uh, excuse, this, this um, you know, using ADHD as an excuse. I've gotten a lot of heat, trust me, over the years of people saying, you don't know what you're talking about. ADHD is real. You're saying it doesn't exist. You're saying it's not real, you know, and so forth. And you've heard me say this before, if you've listened to um, some of her former episodes, that that's not what we're saying. But when someone uses ADHD as a, as a crutch, as an excuse, then unfortunately that gives them no power. They are a slave. They're dependent on whatever for them is the most effective way, and usually it's medication, as, as the, um, the opposition touts or shouts so loudly from the rooftop. If that's why you have an excuse, because you know that unless you have your medication, you're not a whole person, you can't be functioning well, then that makes you dependent. And when you're dependent, you will most likely use a mental disorder such as ADHD for, as an excuse. And this is not right or wrong. There's just no power in that. I realized if I would have said on that phone call that, oh, because of my ADHD, I had to keep moving, I wouldn't have had any power because it's giving the ADHD, that thing, that disorder, the power, meaning because of that, I had to move. The opposite, having power, sounds different. The opposite goes something like this. I wanted to move my body in the latter half of the day, and because I want to stay fit and honor my body when it tells me that it needs to move, I chose to go on a hike, and I'm enjoying the hike, and at the same time, I wanted to be in this Zoom meeting so I can have it all. Do you see how that sounds different? That's very different than giving power to, in this case, a mental disorder such as ADHD or a condition, right? Some people call it a condition. And so they, hey, I have this thing and, that, and that's, that's why I did that. Or because of this, I can't focus. Or because of that you know, I, I'm not doing this. That's giving your power away. And that's why I wanted to do this very simple episode is to encourage you or your children, you, for you to encourage your children to not give your power away. Because if you've chosen to diagnose your child with ADHD and, and that's just where you're at and, you know, you do medication or not or whatever, wherever you're at, it would make no sense on top of introducing this mental disorder to your child to then also give the power away constantly to the label or to the medication. This is a very important nuance because even if you're medicating your child, no judgment, if that works for you right now, great. I always say I do, I'm human, I have a judgment when people medicate for years and years and years and they use it as a quote unquote healing substance that they got to cope you know, with ADHD for life, then my judgment uh, radar goes off and I go, wait, 
medication is more like a band-aid. If it has to be taken for a certain amount of time for the family to straighten itself out, great. I look at them as like braces. You know, you don't want to wear braces for the rest of your life. But having braces to kind of straighten out, you know, the teeth and then lose them and then take good care of your teeth, whatever it takes, for me is is a metaphor. You know, it's it it kind of works because we don't want to leave those on, you know, those guardrails, um, kind of like in bowling, right? The rails on the side when the kids do the bowling. You don't want to leave those on as you're becoming an adult because then you're dependent on those guardrails to give, you know, give you results. If you want to use the bowling metaphor, it's probably a better metaphor at this point. Um, I don't know, I'm kind of a metaphor trained today, but... Again, that's what we're saying is that giving away the power to a disorder or using it as an excuse for why we can't be wholesome in life or wholly fulfilled in life is not empowering and will create us as dependent people. And if you look up the word dependent, you know, dependency or you look at the word addiction, addicts. Addicts are dependent on their substance or their thing, their, their behavior. And so that's what we're trying to avoid. We're trying to avoid that one more child becomes addicted or feels like a dependent on a chemically produced drug that could be a band-aid for a while, but in our society today is looked at as the cure, the healing, the only way to cope for life. I would like to avoid having one more child being put on these drugs and have that child's power and self-confidence diminished because we've been told that is the only way to deal with this because it's not. It's really not. And that's why I do what I do. Because after having interviewed some of the world's top experts, it is now clear to me that there are many ways to dissolve ADHD symptoms, to make behaviors change, for ADHD to be gone in a child's life. And first of all, it's made up, so it's easy to have it be gone. You just declare it like we did. ADHD is over, gone, done. Does not exist in our family. It's a process. It takes a little bit of time right after the diagnosis, of course. But it would be gone in our family for sure already if I didn't do this project. Um, It would have just been gone. And... The only thing that I will say that keeps someone in camp coping and keeps them what I call imprisoned in this ADHD prison is giving away the power, is coming from fear of not knowing where to look and where to start because the current narrative around ADHD is all fear-driven, all fear-driven, 
And we don't have to get into details right now, but look it up, Google it. You know, what happens to my ADHD child in the future? For example, you could Google that. There ain't going to be nothing good in there. Maybe there's some website that says ADHD is a superpower and, you know, your kid's different and gifted. Sure. I still, again, think those kind of metaphors are also very surface level. Because while it's a superpower, it still sort of implies that, well, you are different, and but don't worry, it's not bad, it's good, and it's still kind of swimming. It's still got a flavor of, of this kind of like... Uh, sugarcoating something that really underneath is thought of as, as a disorder. We're just saying like, it's not a superpower. It's not a disorder. They're just behaviors that we need to dig deeper and, and get to the real cause and find out what causes the behaviors that cause friction in this person's life. And then we can work on that and then it dissolves. That's different than superpower. Like, what are you now telling your kid your superpower? You have superpowers and then your kid struggles in school and gets made fun of and they go like, what's my dad talking about? What the fuck? I don't have superpowers. I have a Ferrari brain with bicycle brakes as per my last episode, right? You just get these surface level metaphors thrown at you one at a time, one at a time. Oh, don't worry. It's, it's this and this. So don't worry. It's just this and this. And it's not a problem, you know? So, that's all fine. I see there's some good people out there doing that. There's some good people, um, you know, talking about ADHD in an empowering way. But again, it's still inside of the same context of it being a, a disorder. And so we're here to say, once you stop making excuses for yourself in general, but especially if you have been diagnosed with ADHD, and if you're a parent listening, you know, for your child, then, then you're the one sometimes making excuses for your child. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, he's so hyper. He's got ADHD. All that has to stop. It's okay to say, oh, my son has so much energy right now because you don't know if he has the same energy the next day. You know, parents always say, oh, he's like that every day. That's not true. Yeah, of course, some children have a lot of energy every day, but my son is now 12 and at seven, he had different types of energy bursts throughout the day, different times. So who am I to say he's always like that? You know, using those words is not good anyway, right? Those generalization words, those always, never. Um, so if you as a parent become very conscious and you just tell someone at the playground that, wow, my son has a lot of energy right now. I guess we got to run this off. Something like that. That's different. Then again, saying, oh, I'm sorry, my son is so crazy. He's always like that. He has ADHD. Do you see the difference? It's just not the same. And, and I know some of you are thinking, yeah, but you don't know my kid. My kid's always like this. My kid has so much energy. Okay. Well, then I will say it's, it's your job because it's your child, right? It's not my child. With my child, it's my job. But with your child, it's your job to find out how can you let, let your child you know, let the steam, steam off, right? Is it let out, steam out, off? I don't know. But, you know, figure something out. Like if it's not a trampoline, maybe it's a run, maybe it's a hike, maybe it's gymnastics, maybe, I don't know. There's, you just got to keep looking. We, we owe it to our kids to figure out how we can support them 
through these difficult times. Because trust me, my son is now 12, and he's not the same kid he was at seven. If I had labeled him and medicated him back then because of the fear that he's going to be like that for the rest of his life, and we better, like, you know, get that under control now with medication the way they say we should do it. If I had done that, I would never, I would have never known who my son was going to be at 12, who he is today. This, this Kai at 12, I would have never gotten to experience. But I'm here now and I'm experiencing him as a still a lot of energy, you know, wants to do a lot of different things, doesn't like some, wants to change, go do the next activity. That's still him. But we're fostering that based on his interests. And he's calmed down a lot. He's no longer hyperactive. He's no longer impulsive. Sure, he has impulsivity. We all do. I mean, we're human. Whoever says they don't, they're dead. Impulsivity is, is like our intuition saying, ooh, I want to try this. And then we try it. And if it's wrong, hopefully we have make a little note to say, don't try that again. That was wrong. Try something new, right? It's our job to help our kids fine tune their intuitive, their internal guidance system, right? Calibrate it with them. That's impulsivity. It's needed. So of course my son is still sometimes impulsive, but not as in like disorder impulsive, not as in disorder hyperactive. That's been dissolved. Those behaviors have changed because of the amount of work my wife and I, our family has done in our environment around our son. That includes everything from school, nutrition, our marriage is going through a redesign right now. We moved from the city to the country. Uh, the school that we are in now was even more child-led. Uh, you know, we, we pulled out all the stops and we're like, let's transform everything. And it's working. It really is working. And it's not black and white. You know, I'm not going to give you a checklist of what our son did and say, I guarantee you, your son or your daughter will have the same symptoms dissolved in the same amount of time by doing the same uh, uh, strategy. Or, you know, no, that's not at all our movement. We're not here to say what you need to do. We're here to say that if you dig deep enough to heal everything, heal the shit, that's why we call it num step number two in our book is heal your shit. This is talking to the parents. When we stop transgenerational trauma, when we draw a line in the sand and we say, I'm not going to raise my kids the way my parents raised me. And of course, in order to do that, we have to be very aware of ourselves, our patterns that come from our parents. So we have to already start doing work. Like healing our shit doesn't just mean heal our shit. It means look at our shit before we think it's time to heal it. Because trust me, at some point, there's going to be a time in life when unless we face ourselves and heal our shit, we will either get a, a disease like cancer or a heart attack, or we will get a divorce or whatever something's going to give. And we're here to say, when you dig deep underneath all of that and you find out what needs to be healed in the family, we're here to say that is going to shift your child. That is going to change your child's behavior. All of that, the environment. And I love when I talk to Bruce Lipton on the episode, There's No ADHD Gene, about epigenetics, because Bruce talks about how, you know, there's genetics and there's epigenetics. And what we've been sold, the bullshit around ADHD being genetic, 
is actually scientifically, or I should say biologically not possible once or no longer possible once the study of epigenetics, the field of epigenetics basically proved that a gene can be turned on or off based on the environment. The influence of the environment actually turned on or off a gene. And when I say environment, I'm not talking about the weather, that too. Everything is included. Everything that surrounds a person. The environment is literally everything that surrounds you or your child. Like I said, from the school, where you live geographically, the air you breathe, the food you eat, the religion you're part of, the communities you hang out with, the marriage that that family has, the amount of siblings. The, I mean, it's everything, right? And yes, some of the the metals that our kids now have in the brains because of vaccines and other environmental uh, causes, right? All of that is the environment. Some of it now has seeped into the body or into the, the psyche or the, right? Even the spiritual body. So the environment is everything. So when we get that at that level, that all that can actually influence our DNA, and look, there is no ADHD gene, period. So it's not like that's going to turn off or on the ADHD gene. But it's a good example to say the environment has that much power over our DNA, our body, our behavior, the outcome of our lives. That when we outsource the healing and we get a, a pill and we give that to our child, that's one small part of the environment that's not geared toward actually healing the child from within. That's an external source geared towards keeping a customer for life, coping, having them come back and be dependent on that medication. That's the business model. That's not a hidden thing. Pharma isn't a .org. They need to make money, and they like to make money, and they know how to do it really well. It's just something to be aware of. You know, it's not, it's no point in making them the devil here. It's like, like going to fast food restaurants and saying, oh, McDonald's should be sued for existing. No, you stop going to the McDonald's. That's called responsibility. That's called being powerful, right? But you can't stop going to the McDonald's if you don't get to the source of why you keep going to eat fast food. What is that lack of self-respect and that self-love, lack of self-love? Where's that coming from? Again, that's going back to healing our shit. That's digging deeper and saying, huh, how come I can't stop eating fast food? Well, it's not because, well, it's, it's McDonald's fault and it's so cheap and close and I just can't, I, I can't. No, we have to dig deeper. And that's just another example to, 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 to show that there's no point in blaming pharma, education, psychologists and so forth. It, you know, it's just good to know what they're doing. And especially in our case, we wanted to give parents an overview, like a complete, a more complete narrative. I'm not someone to say I have all the answers and we make it fully complete, but a more complete narrative is our goal. Because right now there's an incomplete narrative around ADHD. There's a one-sided narrative. And I just think it's fair for parents to know what they're getting into. And trust me, I know you don't have seven years to invest. That's why my wife and I said, let's do it. Let's go deep so we can share all of this. Getting passionate. 
Look, if you're still listening, thank you for listening. Uh, this was just going to be a simple episode around why we should not not perpetuate, first of all, ADHD as a thing that we have, and second, use it as an excuse. Because both of those keep this, this social, this general uh, social agreement in place. And that keeps it real. And that doesn't mean it's real, but it, it, it seems to be real. But when we break it down, it's actually not. It's a set of behaviors. In other words, actually, it's just some behaviors a child has at that moment in their lives. And often they switch schools, it's gone. Often there's, there's a marriage that gets uh, amended. There's, there's uh, nutrition, there's exercise, there's many things that are done that change those behaviors. How is that possible? I thought this child had a disorder. Well, the disorder is made up. The symptoms are simply defined by a set of experts to be the symptoms. But ultimately, they're behaviors. And when we look at behaviors, they can be changed. And especially, very important to point out here, behaviors always have a cause. There's a reason why someone behaves a certain way. And when we look at the reason, the cause, we're going to discover, hopefully, at a larger, at a global level soon, that we are a humanity, a society, a body of humans on this planet that have underrated the impact of stress and trauma on children and that we've avoided responsibility. You know, when you look at media, when you look at uh, the lack of parenting classes or education um, that we promote and so forth, we could take, start taking responsibility that perhaps we've totally underestimated this impact. That perhaps, and this is actually proven, this is, I'm not making this up, but you look at the ACE study, ACE study of the 90s that the CDC and Kaiser Permanente did where they discovered that children with one or two or more um, what they call adverse childhood experiences were more likely to end up having mental disorders or become addicts and so forth. Don't take my word for it. Google it. Uh, you can do this on the CDC website or just Google CDC ACE study. You know, this is, this is scientifically already proven. And I am amazed over and over and over again how many experts, mostly on the side of the pro-medication camp called Camp Coping, how many experts are unaware of it or brush it off? Like, yeah, 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 that's not really, not really relevant. It blows my mind. Because once you read the study, you'll see what I mean. There's also a beautiful uh, TED Talk of uh, Surgeon General of California, Nadine Burke Harris, um, around the ACE study and what she's discovered. And we can no longer ignore that. The impact of stress and trauma on our children's nervous systems are causing all of the mental disorders. All. I want to say this again. All mental disorders in children and adults come from traumatic, stressful events, impacts in our childhood. 
That is literally what's happening. There is no mental disorder that suddenly shows up like a virus that gets handed on. You know, I hear this all the time. Oh, my dad had ADHD, so I have ADHD. It's not genetic. I get it. Now, your dad was predisposed, maybe because of his dad, and you're predisposed because of your dad, but not because it's a gene, not because someone in the family had this thing called ADHD. It's because in the environment, in, in the narrative of that family, it got passed down. Perhaps, and I'm guessing most likely, again, with tons of excuses of like, oh, your father has ADHD, and oh, he can't focus, and oh, he's late again because he has ADHD. That is like a brainwash narrative that gets handed down, passed on for generations. But then what we hear out in the media is it's genetic. So I hope you're really present to how all these slogans and all these things you hear in the media are surface level and need to be dissected, deeply dissected, to actually go, okay, hold on. So when you say it's genetic, what are you talking about? Because if you actually sat down with any expert on either side, you would quickly find out that they would say, well, it, it's not that there's a gene or, well, it doesn't mean you're pre, it's not predetermined, right? So you would have a lovely conversation with them. And in the end, you'd probably both agree. The point is the media works with sound bites. And when a parent hears ADHD is genetic, what they hear is like, oh, okay, so there's nothing I can do. I mean, this just happened to us. That's the perspective we're trying to shift. There is everything you can do around having a child with ADHD. And when that sort of statement, that, that media soundbite of ADHD is genetic takes the wind out of the parent's sail of responsibility, it just saddens my heart. Because I've seen parents just drop their heads and go like, oh shit, you know, it's like we've been dealt a bad deck of cards and okay, here we go for life. We're going to have to deal with this and be fearful and medicate and, you know, therapy and hope that our son or daughter doesn't become a druggie and hopefully they'll function in life and get a job and be happy and oh Jesus, right? That's looming over lots of thousands of parents' heads today, right now. There's probably someone listening, hopefully, to this podcast right now that has that kind of doomsday future hovering above their heads for their child. And we're here to say, don't worry. There's everything you can do to dissolve those symptoms. Meaning, in our language, you can do so much to change the behaviors of your child. All you need is a willingness to start digging deep and healing your own shit first. That's what we're here to say. That's what we're here to say because that's what we've seen was in our closets, my wife and I's closet, cleaning out the skeletons in our own families transgenerational stuff that needs to be cleaned out, patterns, you know, triggers that my wife and I individually have as human beings, as parents, to reduce those triggers, to clean that up, to not be reactional, to be not, uh, sorry, not be reactive, but to be creative in every moment, 
to be an active listener as a parent and as a partner in a marriage and to work on it with through therapy through groups through conversations with our family members through through you know just doing the fucking work that's what it takes but that's what i mean when i say you can there's everything you can do like there's so much that can be done so don't be fooled or blinded by these media sound bites like ADHD's genetic or medications the most effective or you have ADHD for life or it's a disorder you know all these media sound bites sound really cool but they're not the full truth they're not they're very incomplete and it's unfortunate so hey look um, I think I've said enough for today. Thank you for listening. If you're still here, appreciate your attention, your time, your energy. You gave this so gracefully and we thank you for this. If this resonates with you, please feel free to spread the word, share links of the episodes with your friends, send them to ADHDsover.com so they can enter their email and stay tuned for updates on the podcast or documentary film, our book. We are building an army of informed parents so that together we can look ahead into the future of our children and say that ADHD is now over. We've now either relabeled it as something empowering or we've actually shared with the world that it was never a disorder in the first place. So thank you for joining us. Have an amazing day wherever you're at. And until next time. Bye-bye.